health risks. We're here from medical experts on what you can do to stay safe. My name is Samuel Kojo Brace. This is the pause always brought to you by uh, Global Communities, Dignilu. Stay on uh, for the details of all of the issues here on the Journey Channel. Let's start from Parliament, where the Deputy Majority Leader Alexander Fenomarkin now leads government business for the Majority Caucus following the shocking resignation of Ose Cheminsa Bonsu. Now, the departure of Cheminsa Bonsu comes after days of speculation marked by deep cracks on the front bench. Now, Parliamentary Affairs Correspondent Kwekwa Sante captures the events leading to his exit. It's been a rancorous week within the governing New Patriotic Party in Parliament. The rumors had been swelling for days about moves to remove the Swami MP or Say Chairman Sabosu from his role as majority leader. But things hit the ceiling on Monday when the item found its way on the agenda of the MPP's neck and National Council's meetings. The next day, First Deputy Speaker Joseph Osewusu led a number of MPP MPs at a news conference in Parliament insisting no state change will be countenanced. To assure you that we have confidence in the leadership as they are and the status quo shall remain. The Parliament of Ghana has adopted standing orders which places the selection and change or otherwise of leadership in the hands of the caucus and not anybody outside Parliament. But this did not end the talks of an impending shakeup. The now former majority leader himself only told joiners that the people seeking to get him out can continue. There are claims that you are being schemed to be removed as majority leader. <laughs> have you have any response to that? No comment. <laughs> On Wednesday, Speaker of Parliament, Alban Bagbin, waded into the controversy, ruling that political parties can change and appoint its leaders in parliament, or at least be the ones to start the process. You cannot be talking about you designating or appointing your leaders without the, the party leading the process. Even as this ruling was being digested, there was a meeting at the Jubilee House to resolve the impasse. It was at this meeting that Osei Chairman Sabonsu tendered in his resignation as majority leader. Executive Director of the Africa Center for Parliamentary Affairs, Dr. Rashid Rahman, believes the former majority leader was pushed out. We, we all saw this coming. And, uh, you know, the question is, was he pushed or did he jump? And, and I think uh, from the series of events and all our discussion uh, right from Monday to this point, I think he was pushed. He also reflects on the legacy of Osei Chairman Sabonsu as leader in parliament. I think his biggest legacy is, uh, I mean, we need to unpack it, but I think uh, he has deepened our democracy. He is, uh, first of all, I mean, somebody who understands the, I mean, our parliament and the parliamentary procedure more than almost any other person in the house currently. Osei Chairman Sabonsu is the longest serving NPP MP, having been in the House since 1997. He has also served as the leader of the NPP caucus in Parliament since 2009. Joy News understands the new patriotic party will officially inform Parliament on Thursday about the resignation of Osei Chairman Sabonso and appoint NP for Efutu 
Alexander Fenomakin as the new majority leader. Reporting for Joy News, Kwekua Sante. Well, this afternoon, some minority MPs say they feel or say Chairman's Abunsu was forced to go out. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised because, you know, we started hearing the rumors that there was going to be a change in leadership of the majority side. And, of course, we all heard the first deputy speaker and a few of the majority uh, members opposed to the move to change the majority leader. I was interviewed and I said that, in principle, I think that it wasn't fair change him at this time, especially when he was not consulted. This morning, my checks indicates that prior to the uh, outburst, if I may put it that way, of the first uh, uh, speaker, the first deputy speaker, uh, the majority leader was consulted by the president. And it's interesting to note that he had even cooked a package for him which in my, my view is only even going to bloat the size of government. We are told that Che is going to be a minister of states and he's going to also maintain his office and the staff that he has as the uh, majority leader and uh, minister responsible for business, uh, uh, government uh, business. So it is only the name that has changed that is now going to be a minister of state, but he's going to hold on to that structure, okay, and run it. What it also means is that for Afghanistan to be effective, he has to also get another set of staff to also play his role as the majority leader and also the minister responsible for business and government. Uh, it has to do with forcing the man out. Because if the question, I guess you ask him the question, why was he the one addressing the press on that matter? If indeed there was some possible changes in the leadership and there was the need for the press to be, you know, addressed, it ought to have been done by the leadership of the majority cause. Unfortunately, he took it out. We are picking some information that he's not a happy person. And the information we've got is that he was virtually forced out, he was unwilling to go. The information I also picked reliably the fact that he wanted to be made the Minister for Foreign Affairs, and I'm told the current Minister for Foreign Affairs intend contesting for some position within the subject, and therefore going and leaving the ministry and was going to be instrumental in a campaign, be it as it may. I think that... Former Majority Leader Sir Chairman Sabunsu remains tight-lipped 24 clear hours after his shocking resignation. Uh, here is what he had to say when my colleague, Kwekwa Sante. Majority Leader, please say, why didn't you take your seat? Why didn't... Leader, why didn't you take your seat? You took another seat today. <laughs> Leader, can you confirm officially that you told the president that you had resigned? Leader, can you tell us, join you something, that you were resigned officially? And what is in the works now? I'll speak to you tomorrow. Okay. Thank you, Leader.
Well, so that's the man at the center of all this. Uh, I mean, you would want to put it as controversy surrounding the leadership of the House. He says he will speak to Joe News tomorrow. Now let's go to Parliament and speak to Parliamentary Affairs Correspondent Kweku Asante for more details. Kweku, an interesting turn of event in the House today. Let's begin with a back and forth about the new sitting position of the former Majority Leader. We spoke about this a few days ago. Yes, we understand that in the coming days, once this leadership change is confirmed, he'll be given a new seat. Of course, for the last 16 years, in fact, this is the 15th year that our chairman Sabos has been leading the NPP caucus in Parliament. Between 2009 and 2017, he was the minority leader. Mm -hmm. And then between 2017 till now, he has been the majority leader. So in Parliament, there are only two black seats on the floor of the House. And those two black seats are taken by either the minority leader or the majority leader. Every other person takes the other seats that are on the floor. And I'll say Chairman Sabus, who has been sitting on one of those black chairs for the last 15 years. And so for the first time, for a long time, and so many people do not remember the last time they saw Seche Mensabos who sat somewhere else other than his chair. Yeah. He came in and sat behind his original chair, the black chair. He sat on the chair that currently belongs to the Member of Parliament for Dancia Sukwa and Minister for Trade and Industry, Honorable Kobnata Hammond. He sat on that chair for a while. MPs came to him, he spoke to them. In fact, OBM was sat with him for quite some time. And then we saw the deputy majority whip now, Habib Idris, is penciled to become the next majority chief whip. Go to him, talk to him, we understand, to try and signal him to come back and take his black seat, because of course, having signaled his intention to resign, those changes have not been made official on the floor yet, and so the expectation was that he wouldn't take that chair, he declined and sat there for quite some time, did some work on some papers, he brought in some documents, he signed a lot of things, and then, just before he would leave the chamber, he did something surprising. He went back to that black chair, the chair that is originally his as majority leader. He went on, sat on it for a minute, and then left to, to, to talk to the first deputy speaker, just for saying so. The two conversed for a few minutes before he went out of the chamber, spoke with a number of their colleagues, and then so I mean, I was watching him for such a long time mm. whilst he was in the... He used to normally stay before he will come into the chamber and a lot of his colleagues came to him they would talk to him as though to commission with him after all that is happening to him in, in the caucus he had a, a lot of conversation for almost 30 minutes journalists were all over the place waiting mm. for him and he did speak to colleague MPs for a while before he came down he played that video he came down and took his car where you saw SHM and Sabosu's car today that has not been his seat that has not been his, his car park as majority leader or minority leader, he's always had a designated parking spot just in front of the job 600. And so for the first time, he's parked his car where almost all normal MPs normally park their car. He used the same exit as all of us, went to his car, and then left the, the precincts of parliament. Mm. Well, yesterday we were told that he, you know, voluntarily resigned. But some mm. other minority MPs are also saying it looks as though he was pushed out. You looked at him closely. Does it look like someone who said, I'm giving up my position voluntarily, or he looks like someone who was forced to do something against his own wish? is usually a very strong person. He is an experienced politician. He's been doing this for decades. In fact, he's been in parliament for 27 years. After the end of his term, he would have been in parliament for 28 years. That is only equaled by a few MPs like the, the, the Speaker of Parliament himself, 
Pretus Apoka, you know, you also have a person like Colin Dowder. So he's one of the few MPs who's been in parliament for such a long time. Mm. And so he doesn't give out information easily. He, he doesn't act in a way that you can easily read his body meanings. But of course, the talk within the caucus has been that he has been forced that even within NDP MPs, there are those who believe that this decision was not the right one and that the pressure got to him. And of course, if you read the transcript of what he said, he's reported to have said at the Jubilee House yesterday announcing his resignation, he said he does not want to be the one in the eye of the storm. He does not want to be the one for which reason the party is searching this area. And that is why he has offered to tender in his resignation. So, barely, of course, not so excited. He would have, he'd have wished that he would have seen the end of his tenure. He would have, he'd have been in, in parliament as majority leader until the end of his tenure on the, the 7th of January, 2025. But as matters will be and as fate will have it, mm. would have to take an early shower eight months to the end of his tenure someone else would have to be appointed. Mm. Well, do we take it as though the resignation is now official? Has it been communicated to the House that there's been changes now? Officially, no. Officially, the Speaker of Parliament did not read any communication today from the political party. Mm. Tomorrow, the new Patriotic Party's National Council is expected to hold a meeting. And this is the biggest agenda there, where they're going to firm up the names. We do not expect any surprises. The names we chat on this channel on Monday are uh, the same ones that are going to be. The majority that is going to be Afenio Makin, his deputy is going to be um, Frank Anodon and, and it follows in that suit. So we expect that tomorrow's meeting will confirm those details and then the party will not officially communicate to the Speaker of Parliament. We expect that that, that letter will be read either on Monday or on Tuesday, depending on which day Parliament sits, and then officially it will be made. And then Alexander Afenio Makin will take his rightful seat as majority leader today he wasn't on, on the floor of the house although his documents and other things were put right before him his seat as the deputy majority leader but he did not come up to the floor today and 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 some of the persons who have been named rumored to to move to the majority leadership now i guess now it's in, in, in one of the leadership spots in parliament today Mm -hmm. Very, very interesting. But, uh, we also know that the committees are being, you know, reorganized. What happens to the committees that Osei Chairman Sabonsu heads as, as a majority leader? Well, luckily for now, no committee has been formed except the appointments committee because of the new standing orders. And if you look at the new standing orders, the appointment committee is now made up of largely ex-officio members. Afrindo Makin as currently deputy majority leader by virtue of his position, is the member of that committee. If he's appointed as majority leader, he would have to forfeit that membership because the committee is now made up of the deputy majority leader as the vice chair of that committee. So he, can still, he will still be on as leader, but he will not be the, the, the vice chair of the committee as has been constituted. And so mm. the speaker had given a deadline tomorrow for the leadership to submit names for the rest of the committees. So I'm mm. sure those will be the conversations that will be had and Afenio Maki will, 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 will probably take a center stage informing these committees and because of the new information, the new mm. news that Asset Chairman Sabin is no more the majority leader, mm. that will be taken into consideration in, in the naming of, 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 of the committees. Okay. Now how did this affect business in the house today, especially on the side of the majority? Well it was a bit tense today of course because of all the things that have been swirling around for the last few days. It was a test day in, in Parliament. And you, you could see MPs come in and go and talk to each other. But this is the big news within the caucus. So, but 
Luckily, to the parliament, they didn't do any major business. We understand all these issues are part of the reason why they didn't. Even the anti-gay bill that was scheduled to be passed. The chairman Sabonso has been a crucial person shepherding this bill through. He has been proposing several amendments. Some of them have been taken on board. And so today they did not take that. They did live business. They took some statements from members of parliament and then the house agent. And the the the, the first deputy speaker who has been backing of Sechem and Sabosu presided largely over the house today. After that, journalists spoke to him, I spoke to him also, and he said he's strongly disappointed that Sechem and Sabosu will resign. He believes Osechem and Sabosu is a strong leader who worked so hard and didn't expect that Osechem and Sabosu would bow out this soon. He was suspecting that Osechem and Sabosu will see to the end of his tenure, but he has resigned now. We put to him whether or not the names that have come up of the deputy majority leader, Alex Rafinha Makin, being the one to take over, still anything to go by. He said, as far as he's concerned, the caucus have not been informed and there is no decision as well. Mm. Do you pick indication that this will somehow affect the majority and, 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 and how they, they go about their business? Yes, yes. Um, in fact, there are those in the majority caucus who believe that as a caucus, they would have to come together and weather this storm. Just like the NDC, it really affected them when the change of leadership came. It took some months before that sense of unity, that semblance of unity be, began to gel. Okay. And so there are those in the majority who also believe that the party leadership, the president, they must all take some urgent steps to ensure that the, the majority leadership and those persons who are not really excited about these new changes are placated. Mm. The, left, the first deputy speaker is clearly not happy. Andy Apia Kubi is clearly not happy. And there are so many like them who are not excited about these changes. And mm. those persons would have to be reached out. It's eight months to election. So many crucial businesses will come to parliament, loans, so many things. And they will need a united force to be able to get them through. Mm. Um, and so they would have to be able to, to, to get through that. Interesting days in parliament. I'm grateful to you for joining us with all of these information. But let's broaden the discussion a bit now and bringing a political scientist who really understand how all of these things play out. Dr. Ike Tando is joining us now. Doc, I'm grateful to you for joining us. First off, what was your reaction when you heard that the long leader of that side has decided to tender in his resignation as the leader of their side? Shocked. Surprised. Lost. Those are the words that hit me when i heard that i was so shocked i was surprised i was lost and i was asking myself what is happening to the new patriotic party and their leadership and then what is amounting for this because from what i said and having been watching them closely and then what even um dr baumia said at the upsa recently when we were trying to cast the vision and then tell them now he's my new leader this is my vision all that i was thinking that now it was the time for them to be able to bring everybody on board. Let's say, hey, we are united. We know what we are looking for. We are calm. We are heading towards 2024 elections with one strength, one sense of vision, one common uh, 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 agenda mm. in order to pursue and then win this election. Because this election is going to be extremely difficult for them. Whether they like it or not, it mm. is going to be extremely difficult. So they will need to go within themselves to do something extra more if they are to win their elections. And mm. I wake up this morning, and then we see a face, mm. a big face, a big, big, big face, like Chairman Sabosu says, I am not going to work again. As the leader of the parliament, it, it, it sends a lot of 
strong signal to everybody who is interested in the political uh, 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 who is a political watcher who and even to the to to, to those who are even now decide, especially the floating voters who are even trying to decide who to vote for i was speaking to a very good friend of mine who had been given a post in the communication team of uh, uh, baumia he happens to be my student and i was telling him that your work mm. is going to be extremely difficult for you guys you the communication people because at the end of the day perception plays a big 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 role in deciding who you vote for or who you align with as somebody who has invested a lot of time in building brand in political marketing i say that we don't take things for granted and you also want to look at your communication cues mm. and your communication variables that you, you are putting out there and especially when you have eight to ten months to elections some of your inactions your actions are are going to count and whether you are going to bring more people into what we call the affinity to love that brand and to vote for that brand some of these things should be carefully looked at but but but, but look, i mean he's not pushed out of of the side he's still an mp he's still a valuable person to the business of the house um are we saying that i mean like people say the good leader is the one who is able to train somebody to take after him are we saying that he's not been able to train the, the, the deputy majority leader so well to handle the business of the house and therefore if he's not there i mean business will go on as usual i know looking at your face and your jacket i know you're a young man so i i will say that <laughs> i'll say that probably you you pass with the junior high school system mm. and then when you were in junior high school system i i remember your english teacher was in your class your english teacher told you of this um, expression coming event they say will cast their shadows right mm -hmm. so if it had been a normal trend that fine what you are saying is very logical that he had he, he was training somebody that leaders must train and then everything was very the the, the playing ground was very cool and quiet and everything was falling into place and he said that okay fine i've worked for 20 something years and i think that that's the time for me to step aside for um this young lawyer to step into the stead and afinal market is strong i am not taking anything away from his credibility he can really do the job but look at the thing that preceded timmonson's announcement of he resigning so many information going on and and, and i'm worried and i i have some few friends in the mpp and i said what are you saying what how do you collect your information how do you even make sure that you said the, the you are able to control the narratives around your brand especially 10 months into elections and 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 sometimes i find it very worrying that they are not able to go ahead of the controlling the narratives around some of the things that are come up especially during this crucial moment of 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 of, of their political if you like history Mm, mm, mm. there were a lot of stories we were reading a lot of rumors circulating and then we are all interested we are all asking what is going to happen and 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 i say again after baumia's speech dr baumia's speech you are all expecting that they are going to be united they are going to sing one song and then all, all of a sudden we had we are going to move chairman sabonsu all of a sudden we had chairman sabonsu is going to resign chairman sabonsu is going to push off chairman Sai is going to jump the gun so there were so many perspectives so many narratives surrounding then my very good friend Joe Weiss organized a press conference and I asked myself, channel of communication, was press conference the appropriate channel to communicate that perspective or that stand? But hey, that's what they chose. And they said that they are going to organize a press conference and then Joe Weiss came to say, ABCD, we are resolute. There is no going to be any change that is going to happen. We, 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 we like our leadership. We are resolute behind our leadership. He also came to say that. Then the next day, then the big announcement comes. 
So if I am, I am a young man, and then which I am, and I'm going, to, I'm looking at okay, why, what, what kind of brand can I trust mm. that it will take me to the promised land? He'll be able to be fair. He'll be able to be assertive. He'll be able to be very consistent with his messaging and his character. Some of these things will not let me kind of trust what they, how they are they, they are handling their issues. One party, the, the rumor is saying this: the leadership of the party comes to say this uh, differently from what we are all hearing. Then the next day, the big surprise comes. It doesn't show of a brand that is consistent, a brand okay. that is want to be like transparent with the mm. people who are following them and then people who are sharing for them. Mm. But, but, but as you can see in those pictures, there are, there are hearty laughs from both sides. The, the, the majority leader and the deputy majority leader are in a handshake, very firm one, and they're singing pleasantries. That doesn't really mean that, well, all is not well. I mean, the picture is saying that all is well, but we are trying to say that all is not well. Are we not just giving meanings to things that are not? Actually, I don't think that uh, you and I, 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 I I'm, uh, you and I know that pictures don't tell the full story. <laughs> you and I do know. That's where we are coming from. As, but, but like they say, a picture speaks louder than words. That's why I say they say a picture tells a thousand stories, but mm. the story, the narrative of the story or the spirit behind the story can be different from what the picture says. Yes, but I don't want to be a prophet of doom. I am not saying that all is not well with them. I know Chairman Sabosumi is very, 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 very much short politician. Afenomaki, he liked him. Look at the body language when he was the leader. Look at how supportive he has been to Afeni. And you see that the chemistry is there between the two gentlemen. So I wouldn't say that they are fighting or there is a, a, a chaos between them or whatever the leadership. But what I'm saying is that communication is very essential. The cues you are giving to the people that you want to love, you want to even sway them from, for example, say NBC or Alan, Alan Cash Butterfly, for them to give you that mandate to break the eight. We are watching, what are we hearing? And you know that no matter what, there are people who also like Chairman Sebus' style of leadership. There are people who also like, who might not also like his leadership. So the things that preceded his big announcement, it's worrying. It's trying to make all these kind of pictures that are coming up very a bit difficult to believe that all is well. Okay. If you really want to be very objective and really mm. want to be very honest. But let's hope and let's pray for them. I am watching to see, I was watching your the small video that I played uh, of Osei Chairman. So he said he will, he will speak on Monday or something. I just, I'm just hoping to see what he, he will come out to say. And then what he, he will say would have a very strong, strong, strong role to play as to how the public will, will perceive the MPP mm. and receive okay. this resignation and then what the mpp communication team wants to come and say i know the spin doctors are getting ready those who go want to jump on um, radio and tv to spin around some of the all these things but i hope and pray that they will be united they will look at the sensitivity of the issue the emotions and the appeals of how they would want to communicate around this if they all come out and then they are able to get for same to align with them and then drafting a message that will resonate with everybody the better for them but if they start doing their usual things by trying mm. to defend and then try those who like it, those who like Osei Chairman Sabo try to throw shot, those who don't like him also try to bring their own narrative to counter. I don't think mm. it will help the MPP. Mm. What I think that they should do is that they should be smart. I know they are smart. They should be smart. They should put their heads together. They should come out to tell us a very good story to defend, not, not to even defend, but to let us, to assure us that all is well for them 
and then what they have done is not something that is unusual or something that's going to break their phone because they need unity and they need to communicate with one voice mm. one spirit one direction for the next 10 months that is ahead of them well who should lead the communication um, should it be the national executives should it be the flag bearer now dr Mohamed baumia or should it be president because he's still the president who amongst these three should be leading the communication about the changes in parliament and how to you know move that side of the house together so that like you say they will be displaying that sort of unity that people are looking up to them for i i i really like this question and 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 i feel sorry for dr baumiang the nice gentleman i think his speech that he gave at UPS it was very good we were trying to bring everybody and i saw jay before i saw everybody who matter at that uh, 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 um, speech or at, at that ceremony and then what was it trying to communicate i am i am very biased towards communication because i am a communication scholar so everything that you do counts towards the brand that you want to build so having delivered such a very good speech and then waking up the next day or two to come and hear these things it's it's, it's, it's a bit worrying but to go straight to your question i think that where they have reached and then listening to what Bagman said some few days ago that the party should have a say in who becomes the leader of the house mm. although joe wise and others were arguing that the uh, the standing orders have its own interpretation that the if you are not a member of the house you will not have you don't have a direct responsibility to elect or nominate who should become the the the, the leader of the caucus so it's, it's, it's quite interesting but if i were to give any free advice to the MPP, I think that the leadership of the party, the leadership of the of of of, of parliament, should come together and then, if they if, if they like, do a joint presser to communicate the spirit behind what has happened and to make sure that and to communicate clearly and in simple terms that nothing is happening. This is why we 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 we, we did this and all. This is why Osemencha Chairman also took this decision. And I'll be very happy if even they can even get Osemencha to be with them when they are communicating that, when they are releasing that information or mm. or that pressure that they say that even the person that you think that is because now part of the narrative is that he has been pushed. Part of the narrative is that he was forced forced to jump over. So if we are able to get Osemencha Bunsu himself with the leadership of the party to communicate that okay hey this is the direction the man himself is here and he's saying that nothing is happening your perceptions are wrong we are still together but just like you said in, in your earlier preamble that i've done this thing for 27 years i think now is the time for me to, to move on i think he's been made a chairman of the manifesto committee of the mpp yeah. uh, of baumia's team yeah. so this is the time for me to use my my few 27 years experience to help baumia's agenda and then to push him so nothing is happening nothing is 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 is, 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 is bent down i want to concentrate my energies focusing on securing the next election for the mpp mm. so my interest would be how they will come out with the messaging that comes that will let us know. That will let other people believe that yet they are still united, or uh, uh, or otherwise. But but let me ask you this question before I let you go. You know, the it looked as though the members from the Ashanti region yes. were were the ones seen publicly uh, going against this change. Already, we've we've heard of the sort of you know bickering, for the lack of a better word. 
in the Ashanti region about, yes. you know, already how the, the leadership of the party, uh, especially the flag bearer, was chosen, that Alan Chamanting has gone off. How does this aggravate the already saw in the Ashanti region that probably could affect the fortunes of the party in that region? So, so, so that, that's a very good question. So that is why I said early on that the timing is wrong, mm. the context is wrong, the, the situation is not too good for the MPP to have done what they have done. That is if he was pushed. And, and if I were in there or I had the opportunity to sit in, I would have thought that they would let Chairman Sabuso finish his term. Because all that you are saying is coming to play. The Ashantis think that, okay, now this is our party because that is their, Ashanti region is their world bank, if you like. Mm -hmm. And then they feel that they have been a bit of hard done with and uh, with Alan Chamate also going off and all that. So those, those narratives are there and they are aware. They can't say that they are not aware. MPP people are aware. The, the researchers are aware. So so I think that for Joe White, also an Ashanti from Bepai, to also lead the, the charge to come and say, we, I, I don't think any change is going to come. We are resolute behind our leader and then not, nothing is going to happen. It, it's, it's a bit worrying. And it's going to also feed into that narrative that the Ashantis are, uh, if you like, they are being sidelined or they are being ignored and all that. So what, what is interesting, what I want to say is their response. How are they going to respond? How are they going to bring everybody together and say that, that hey, nothing is missing. Nothing is going wrong. That will be very crucial in the, in the few coming days. Doc, I'm grateful to you for the insight you've shared with us here on The Pulse. Dr. Ike Tando is a political scientist. This is still The Pulse here on the Joint News Channel. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with more. Please do stay. Across Africa, a new era has begun, shifting our focus to a new horizon, connecting us with one purpose, to create and share opportunities to grow. brighter tomorrow, built by our dreams and our energy. Across our continent, across the world, we are creating a better way to a better future. A pan-African future, together. Ecobank, a better way, a better Africa. Blessing. You know of any good medical school I can take of you to? Oh, Fifi, is that why you're looking all moody? Then I have some good news for you. The 
College of Medicine and Allied Sciences, COMAS, Accra, Ghana, is a degree-awarding institution, and they offer Bachelor of Medicine and Bachelor of Surgery using the Graduate Entry Medical Programs, Bachelor of Diagnostic Imaging, and BSc Health Information Management. All these programs are accredited by GTEC. Their bilingual curriculum prepares you to consult in French. But I'm worried about admissions. Admissions are ongoing. Contact us on Facebook or on Instagram at info dot comas or call us on zero two zero eight four five six five five six or send them an email info at comas dot edu dot gh comas the citadel of a holistic professional medical education for crystal clear and thrilling podcasts and live shows download and listen to us on apple spotify tune in google podcasts my joy online amazon services like echo amazon music and audible stitcher Adom Online, Overcast, and Pandora. Take note of everything. Sign up for the multimedia digital platforms now to stay updated. We've had news file over the weekend and uh, an interesting part of the conversation. Focused- oh no, we are out of range. Oh, don't worry, Daddy. I have Alexa in my bag. Alex, what? Alexa. Open Multimedia Ghana and play Joy FM. Super Hits Radio, Radio. Joy 99.7. Listen to Joy FM. Hits FM. Love FM. Live on your Amazon Echo. Listen to your favorite multimedia radio stations live on your Amazon Echo device by saying, Alexa, open Multimedia Ghana, play Joy FM or Hits FM or Love FM or catch up on your favorite podcast by saying, Alexa, play and then the name of your favorite podcast from Multimedia Ghana. For a list of all podcasts available, say Alexa. Ask Multimedia Ghana to browse programs. And we are back like we never lost signal. Alexa, welcome to Multimedia.
to the polls. Uh, my name is Samuel Kojo Brace. Now let's talk about something very disturbing uh, because it's something that affects all of us. Now in the second part of the Joy News feature on the National Health Insurance Scheme's dire challenges, we delve into the heart of the matter at Confranoche Teaching Hospital where the underfunded scheme has left countless patients stranded at the hospital premises despite being a beacon of hope for many the NHIS has faulted, forcing subscribers to pay for medicines that should have been covered by the scheme. My colleague, Clinton Yeboah, uncovers the painful truth in today's feature. We have also extended NHIS coverage. This is the Vice President, Dr. Mohamed Ubaumia, confirming over 61% increase in NHIS registration numbers since 2017. But do these numbers mean anything at all, especially with the level of quality of services being provided in various hospitals across the country? Outside of the imposing gates of the accident and emergency unit of the Confuanochi Teaching Hospital and the waiting room of the KNUST Hospital, a restless crowd gather with their faces imprinted with worry and desperation. These are not just visitors earnestly waiting for good news concerning their sick relatives, but patients and family members perturbed with medical bills they cannot foot. Gifty Boache almost shed a tear talking about her sick mother. She has spent days at the hospital, banking hopes on the National Health Insurance Scheme, which she describes as still. The scheme has become stale. Now, if you do not have money, you won't receive quality health care. Why? We have to pay for almost all the services received. There have been several complaints about the quality of NHIS service provided by some health facilities across the Ashanti region. Some individuals are reporting long delays in receiving treatment due to not having a health insurance card. They disclose instances of lack of essential medication due to inadequate coverage of expenses. These required subscribers to purchase medicines that they expected should be covered under the scheme. Look at the number of drugs they have prescribed for me. Why would we be buying all sorts of drugs if it's working? They took 20 CDs before giving me a bed in the ward here in Kumasi South Hospital. Without receipt. Bahasa, 
I brought my mother, but we had to pay a bribe of 100 Ghana cities before getting a bed. I have bought all sorts of drugs for 2,000 Ghana cities. For these aggrieved individuals, the struggling National Health Insurance Scheme is not just a health administrative obstacle, but a point of evidence of poor health systems and the inflicting reality of the poor. This is Samuel Tay Wayu. The ones that are given free are not expensive, but the expensive ones I have to buy. This is my card, and I don't see any need. According to the 2023 medicine list of the National Health Insurance, appraised by a specialist group, the currently reviewed medicines list contains a total of 548 formulations, childhood immunizations, tuberculosis, HIV-AIDS and mental health care are exempted from the scheme. The document disclosed that executive management of the NHIA has directed and approved a 20% increase in the prices of medicines as a stopgap measure to mitigate the recent increases in prices of medicines on the open market. A health official who pleaded anonymity explains the hospitals are compelled to top up prices of drugs and medical consumables due to price disparities in the open market price and the bench price covered by the NHIS. The situation seemingly grants profit-seeking hospitals a chance to charge patients more than required as top-ups. Insurance has its own pricing for each drug. If that is not the price that the hospital gets on the market, that means the patient has to pay for the extra amount. Because insurance price is usually so low that you go to the market for the um, equipment that you need for the procedure. And it will be way above the price that insurance is going to pay. So you have to add the difference for the patient to pay. Some, some hospitals actually add extra for profits. He further disclosed underfunding of several hospitals and bureaucratic hurdles of NHIS medicine administering guidelines are engulfing several facilities. You, you, when they list the drugs, it means you have to stick to what they've said. Insurance, will, sometimes they will reject it entirely and flag it as wrong so they won't pay because they have specific treatment guides that you have to follow if you go out of that. They have so many rules, so the hospitals would have to find ways and means to make up for all of that. Insurance is a stickler for rules. Efforts to reach the Ashanti Regional Health Insurance Office have proven unsuccessful, but health officials are proposing an increase in premium drugs covered by the NHIS. I believe funds to facilities should be released on time for them to be able to get the needed consumables forward. I also think that premium should be increased for um, especially those who can afford, those in the formal sector whose deductions are made straight from their SNIT contributions. Universal health coverage in Ghana says that all persons should and must receive timely access to health care. It is then apparent that a national entity such as the National Health Insurance 
accrue some attention to the struggling portions in order to improve service and ensure that we achieve the universal health coverage targets. Reporting for Joy News, my name is Clinton Yabwa. Well, the current CEO of the NHIS has been appointed as the Minister of Health. Let's see how he can use his experience to turn around the fortunes of that uh, scheme. But still staying in the health sector, the Confonochi Teaching Hospital is turning some patients in need of dialysis treatment to private facilities due to insufficient equipment for the procedure. Recent, presently, one, only one dialysis machine is fully functional, supporting another partially working. Chief Executive Officer, Professor Dr. Otri Adai Mensa, says the decision to limit dialysis to patients of the hospital is the hardest taking under his tenure. He spoke at a meeting with the finance minister who toured the mother and baby unit being constructed at the hospital. Nanaya Ojima has more in the following report. Dialysis is a procedure to remove waste products and excess fluid from the blood when the kidney stops working properly. The failure of kidney patients to get the service when necessary may lead to death. The Confonochi Teaching Hospital is a referral hospital for 12 of the 16 regions in the country. Its nephrology unit is challenged with the necessary tools for the procedure despite the relevance. Professor Oche Ademensa explains some critical decisions the hospital has taken. Uh, the truth is that we at Confonochi presently have, I usually say one and a half dialysis machines. And it's because one is working at full capacity, the other is working at fault. And so what it means is that we are no longer able to receive patients from outside for dialysis. So the dialysis in this hospital is restricted to uh, patients who are within the hospital. One of the most difficult calls I have had to make as a chief executive was when I was approached by my medical director and who posed a question as to whether or not he was uh, okay to send patients who needed dialysis to private facilities for dialysis. As difficult as our call was, it had to be made because we do not have uh, sufficient dialysis machines. And Mr. Minister, the truth is that for each dialysis session, it takes four hours. And so what it means is that if you have two dialysis machines in-house and you have, say, five patients who need dialysis, what it means is that if uh, God does not intervene, then by the time he gets to the turn of the fifth person, uh, he probably would have popped off. The tooling challenge of the hospital is not limited to dialysis machines. For over 18 years, the hospital has been without mammography machines. One key example is a mammography machine, which for the past about 18 years we haven't had one. And so we are picking up breast cancer cases in stages 3 and stage 4. Apparently about 70% of the cases of breast cancer are diagnosed in stage 3 and stage 4, basically because the effective screening that ought to be done with the help of a mammogram machine not being done. Meanwhile, the challenge with spacing continues to affect the hospital's operations. Professor Dr. Avermensa explained though the hospital is constrained, they are forced to congest their facilities. Indeed, if Confanochi decides to close off the, the, the emergency center for 24 hours because it is full, and as we speak, the place is meant, orange ward is meant for 12, we have presently have our 42 patients, yellow is meant for 18, we have about 27 patients. Red is meant for seven, we have about 10 patients there as we speak now. And so if we decided that we're no longer receiving emergencies, obviously because of this. Bob Marley is the number one movie in America. 
with me? <laughs> Audiences are raving. It's the perfect movie at the perfect time. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Made it PG-13. Now playing. Four. What it means is that we are practically asking patients who come in who are turned away to go and die. The release of funds for works on the mother and baby units comes as a relief for many in the Ashanti region. Finance Minister Dr. Mohamed Amin Adams reveals 14 million euros have been released for the purpose. Then I show you because of the concern by our president, uh, the directive for us to find money and address uh, these outstanding uh, infrastructure issues. Uh, you have seen us moving very uh, quickly. And this visit by me uh, demonstrates uh, that commitment to addressing these uh, uh, challenges so we can bring relief to the people of Kumasi, Ashanti region. And I know that a lot of cases are referred to Konfanochi from other regions of, of the country. For Joy News, Nanaya Ojima, Kumasi. Now, 282 persons with disabilities, including 90 former toll booth operators, have been recruited by the Youth Employment Agency in a bid to keep the high unemployment rate among people in that category. In an interaction with the press, the agency CEO, Kofi Ajapon, touted the feat as unprecedented. He urged other state and private agencies to create employment avenues for persons with disabilities, most of whom have limited job opportunities. The Youth Employment Agency has successfully recruited 282 persons with disabilities possessing at least a senior high school qualification. And I repeat, it brings me joy, immense joy, to announce to the people of Ghana through your esteemed platforms that the Youth Employment Agency has successfully recruited 282 persons with disabilities possessing at least a senior high school qualification. These individuals have been appointed as staff members of our, of our agency. These individuals have been appointed as staff members of our agency with those holding diploma or higher qualifications assuming roles as regional disability desk officers. And those with senior high school qualifications appointed, appointed as district disability desk officers across all 16 regions and 266 operational districts respectively. Ladies and gentlemen, this employment affords them not only a sense of pride and financial stability, but also positions of influence where they can contribute meaningfully to policy formulation and implementation concerning disability rights. Furthermore, the agency is committed to ensuring the social security and welfare of these employees including the payment of relevant statutory contributions. They will enjoy the same economic benefits and privileges as any other government employee, ensuring their financial stability and security. And I repeat, the agency is committed to ensuring the social security 
and welfare of these employees, including payment of relevant statutory contributions. They will enjoy the same economic benefits and privileges as any other government employee, ensuring their financial security and stability. Members of the media, in addressing the needs of individuals without basic qualifications, the Youth Employment Agency has developed other alternative pathways through our programs such as the Business and Employment Assistance Program, Youth in Schools Training, and our Garment and Textile Training Initiatives under the Garment and Textile Model. Now, the electricity company of Ghana, ECG, has advised clients to only transact business with the power distribution company through its power app and offices. Speaking to Joy News, the Volta Regional General Manager of ECG, Christina Jato Kalio, explained that Alfred does not operate a mobile money account and entreated customers not to give audience to people who would ask them to send money to ECG mobile money or bank accounts to access services. These people, what they do is that they call on customers, tell them services that you require from ECG, it is time for you to make some payments. They will give you some fake ECG account number, ECG Momo number, and quickly they will come back and tell you the account number is not working, so you have to pay through the Momo. They will give you the, the number and a name on the number. Truly when you dial the number, that so-called name will pop up. And the person is either designated as a manager, a secretary, uh, an engineer, or a technician who will be receiving this money in the name of ECG. Please don't fall prey to such activities. I repeat again, ECG does not have any designated Momo account number that we give out to customers to pay money into. Download the power app or use a short code, which is star 226 hash. Anytime you need to pay any money to ECG, you pay your receipt is generated electronically. Or better still, if you are not comfortable with these things, visit an ECG office nearest to you. Don't deal with middlemen. That is how you get defrauded. Just recently, I think last week, one government institution was contacted for the GRA Customs Training School here in the Volta region. They sent them a fake press release. I think they got it somewhere from the net. Cloned it somehow to look like it is directed to the Customs Training School, asking them to pay these monies. But they were quite alert and they reported to ECG. So we have taken those numbers, submitted them to the security agencies to investigate and let's get down to those people who are doing it. But what we do is that when you are defrauded or you, these people come into contact with you, kindly note the number. You can report straight to a police station or to the tele, uh, mobile service provider or come to ECG office. We will take this number. We submit it to the security agencies. We are dealing with them, trying to crack down on these people who are using fake numbers, fake identities, impersonating ECG personnel to defraud Ghanaians who want to do genuine business with ECG.
Now, resident along the storm drain at Asylum Down in Accra are lamenting its blockage by plastic waste. They say the situation is leaving them at the risk of having to face floods with the slightest downpour, and they want the authorities to quickly address the situation. Join us is Elikem Day, visited the community, and here's his report right to you. In Accra, floods have been a major headache for years. This has led to the loss of lives and many properties. Residents of Asalam Down have expressed worry over how the drains get clogged with plastic garbage and other materials. They want the relevant authorities to fix the situation to avert flooding when it rains. I mean, this Nagata is a drain. If it chokes, it affects the environment. It affects the lives of the people. Depleting the I mean, the area. So when there's flood, it will go into the homes of the people around. And we will also call environmental and not more people to come and clean the place. And it's all, all waste, wastage of money to the, to the economy and to the government. The, the government should be, I mean, astute in their working or in, in their operation. Because as it gets flood, as it gets build up, it will flood and it will cause um, the environmental hazard to the people living in that area. Yeah, I've been working over here for almost 15 years now. I've been crossing this place all the time. But sometimes when you rain, well, if you see here, yeah, very, <laughs> it's not palatable. No, the gutter because of the rubbish. If you, if you uh, assume that maybe you are not here for a long time, maybe when it's raining, you pass here. I mean, in this gutter, uh, uh, the, the bridge over here too is collapsing. Uh, 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 How long has the rabbit been here? You have been here for oh, here yeah, for a long time. Been here for a long time. No one has come to clean it. Nothing. Nothing. Maybe they don't have the community people who will be taking care of this place as well. So, uh, those authorities they should come. Or to organize the guys so they will come and clean it out every weekend or every two weeks. So we are begging, we are begging the big men to come and help us to do this gutter for us because we are suffering. Here. How long has it been here? How, how, long? I mean, how long has this? How, how long has the rabbit been here? Oh, almost. If you don't lie, almost uh, more of that time. Almost three years. Yes. So hasn't it been affecting you guys? Like hasn't it been yeah. heavy like? rainfall is always sometimes gas inside our room spread things. Flat. So flat. So we are begging them to come and help us to do this gutter because okay. we are suffering. Okay. It's right. It will help. Okay. And the fact that it's getting flooded, you see, you could see a lot of I mean garbages in it because it's not covered. People throw cabbages in it. People defecate, defecate in it. And apart from that, also, it breeds mosquitoes. You know, the cost of health is very expensive. And mosquitoes all over this area. And apart from that, it smells too. We are talking about, I mean, making Ghana a tourist attraction. 
And when tourists come and see this kind of gutter over here, looking at the filth inside, it doesn't speak well. It doesn't add up to our country. It is, it is, it is not nice, you know. So the government should come to us every time it rains and get this year get flooded. They will come and tell us stories. Oh, we are coming next week. We are coming. Maybe we are coming. When it's elections time, they will bring their machines, come and do small work. And then after election, that's all. And I've been so since the time I have been here. You get me. Uh, so I travel, I come back. When I, whenever I come, the same thing. Just last two, some people came over that they are coming to do. I've gotten some fund from World Bank, and uh, they even got the fund around 2015. And 2015 up to now, still the gutter has not been done. So I wonder why the fund is there. And for the past not less than eight to nine years, they've not done it. You get me. It's really a worry to all of us. Elikem Day's report read to you. ago this week since russia launched its full-scale invasion of ukraine with the anniversary coming just days after the sudden death of russia opposition leader alexei navalny european leaders are being asked hard questions about what more they can do to thwart russian aggression and support ukraine for more we're joined by dw's arthur sullivan in berlin now arthur how have european leaders reacted to the death of navalny So the news of Alexei Navalny's death last Friday came as a huge shock to European leaders, even though it wasn't entirely surprising, given how things have gone for so many opponents of the Russian president, Vladimir Putin, over the years, and also given how Navalny himself had been treated since he returned to Russia in 2021, having been poisoned just before that. Now, European leaders made it very clear that they held the Russian state and its leader ultimately responsible for Navalny's death, and they emphasised that it showed just how undemocratic and brutal the repression of the Russian state has become under Putin, and particularly since the full-scale invasion of Ukraine two years ago this week. The German Chancellor Olaf Scholz, he said Navalny had paid for his courage with his life and that his death showed just how much Russia had changed. The French President Emmanuel Macron said the death showed that in Russia, free spirits were sent to the gulag and condemned to death. Now, since then, the story has moved on, of course. Navalny's body has still not been released to his family, who say that this is because Russia is trying to delay things as long as possible in an attempt to cover up the true cause of Navalny's death. Now, Navalny's widow, Yulia Navalnaya, she met with foreign ministers from Europe earlier this week, and she made it very clear that she holds Putin responsible for her husband's death, and she urged the EU to take action. So what does it mean in terms of new sanctions against Russia?
Well, given that the tide of the war appears to have swung in Russia's favour recently, and also that the Russian economy, which has been hit with so many sanctions, is doing better than the West expected it to, EU leaders have been considering new sanctions options for a while anyway. But the death of Navalny has really increased the sense of urgency. So when Yulia Navalnaya, his, his widow, met the EU foreign ministers this week, she said that Europe should not recognize the legitimacy of the forthcoming presidential election in Russia, which is in March. Now, that wouldn't be a sanction as such, but it would be a big, big statement against Putin. Now, the ministers were meeting anyway to discuss the latest round of sanctions, and it appears that a new package will be agreed very, very soon, probably this week. Now, those new sanctions are believed to target up to 200 individuals and businesses tied to the February 2022 invasion of Ukraine. They're not specifically about Navalny, but his death means that there may be some symbolic ones attached to this package, perhaps targeting individuals connected to the prison or the prison service in Russia. Now, major new sanctions are not going to be announced anytime soon, but the US this week said that it was going to bring in some new sanctions directly tied to Navalny's death, and that obviously does increase the pressure on Europe to do something more with regard to this issue. Now, what about the broader question of European financial support for Ukraine and indeed investment in its own security for the years ahead? Well, the EU a few weeks back did agree a new €50 billion Euros financial package for Ukraine. And despite the fact that some countries in Europe, like Hungary, for example, which is, tends to be a bit closer to Russia, the EU does clearly remain committed to supporting Ukraine, despite that sort of opposition. Now, in terms of investment in Europe's own security, this is a different question, really, that's not going to go away over the coming years. The recent comments from Donald Trump that he would encourage Russia to attack a NATO country if that country did not meet its spending commitments on security, those comments were greeted with horror across Europe, particularly given Trump's chances of winning the US presidential election later this year. So fears that the USA could pull back from its huge security role in Europe under a second Trump presidency are growing. Europe has ramped up its arms production in the last few years, in fact over the last decade, particularly in the last two years, but experts still say it's not anywhere near enough to make the continent able to fully defend itself in the absence of US security leadership. However, it is important to point out that European countries which are members of NATO are spending more and more each year on their security. So 10 years ago, just three NATO members met the target of spending at least 2% of their annual GDP on defence, and this year it's going to be 18 countries, so a huge increase there. And here's the thing overall. For a long time, this question itself was simply not a question. It was dormant, and that is not the case anymore. In fact, it's a bigger question than it has been probably at any stage since the Cold War. And it's only going to get bigger, given what we've seen happening in Ukraine and what happened in Russia with Navalny last week. So that's, uh, that was DWTV's uh, Arthur Sullivan joining us from Berlin Fair. Well, uh, you know that the U.S. is uh, at the center stage. They will be voting for a new president in November 2024. The question is, who will carry the day? So join us your election headquarters. We have a new show, America Decides. And Dr. H.S. Kanku is joining me from the other side of the studio. Doc, um, let's understand, uh, what, what should we expect in this new program? Well, so you rightly said it. The elections are going to take place in November 2024, but the primary season is currently ongoing, mm -hmm. and it's getting very heated. The various political parties are in the process of selecting 
who would be their candidate. And, and as you know, they have a very open system where each single state has to vote for each political party to decide who leads them. So, yes, the elections are in November, but the primaries have started. In fact, about three to four states have already voted, and in all of those, Donald Trump has won, and won by huge margin. So what we're going to do in this program is to track the presidential election process right from where it starts, because by November, the major decisions have been made already, and you are presented with just two candidates. Mm -hmm. So what we are doing here is to track the process right from the beginning, going state by state, process by process for each political party before we get right down to November. So this program will actually highlight and bring more insights, discussions, analysis on the various stages, the various processes mm. of the American presidential cycle right from the primary stage. Well, so that's all coming up uh, on America Decides here on your election headquarters. Well, my name is Samuel Kojo Braces. has been the pause. We'll take a quick break. When we return, I mean, when Joe News comes back, then America Decides is up next with Dr. Eche Sekanko. Thanks for being a part of it. There's more on MajorOnline.com. Have a great afternoon. That's true. It can store a lot of water. That's so true. Wow. It has a working surface on it. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I can see S-I-N-T-E-X syntax. That is so true, my daughter. But it's faster. It's That's not true. But why? Hey! <laughs> Syntex was the first to introduce double-layer tanks in Ghana. Syntex again was the first to introduce white inner layers in Ghana. Syntex gives you the biggest warranty, seven years. No matter your water needs, Syntex is the answer. Syntex tank. Are you strong? Are you tough? into a new era of news consumption with myjoyonline.com your go-to destination for cutting-edge journalism giving you the most credible stories from business to politics and from sports to entertainment myjoyonline.com introduces an upgraded news website meticulously designed to empower you with an enriched browsing experience like never before experience the future of news browsing with myjoyonline.com for crystal clear and thrilling podcasts and live shows, download and listen to us on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, MyJoy Online, Amazon services like Echo, Amazon Music, and Audible, Stitcher, Adam Online, Overcast, and Pandora. Take note of everything. Sign up for the multimedia digital platforms now to stay updated. We've had news file over the weekend and uh, an interesting part of the conversation. Oh no, we are out of range. Oh, don't worry, Daddy. I have Alex in my bag. Alex, what? Alexa, open Multimedia Ghana and play Joy FM. Super Hits Radio, Radio. Joy 99.7.
Listen to Joy FM, Hits FM, Love FM, live on your Amazon Echo. Listen to your favorite multimedia radio stations live on your Amazon Echo device by saying, Alexa, open Multimedia Ghana, play Joy FM or Hits FM or Love FM. Or catch up on your favorite podcast by saying, Alexa, play. And then the name of your favorite podcast from Multimedia Ghana. For a list of all podcasts available, say Alexa. Ask Multimedia Ghana to browse programs. And we are back like we never lost signal. Alexa, welcome to Multimedia.
Hello and welcome to America Decides. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Echi Sikanku, and as we said earlier, this show, this segment is to track the American presidential process, which has already started. There's a lot of action going on. There's a lot of drama, a lot of theater. Of course, wherever Donald Trump is involved, you can expect that. And so the goal of this program is to make sure we are tracking the process and bringing some awareness, some understanding, some insights into the process. Because, of course, when America cops, the rest of the world catches a cold. Um, and so whatever happens there has an impact uh, in this part of the world. So America decides the purpose of it is to make sure that we are tracking this particular process. So what's happening in the U.S. now? Well, America is at the crossroads. Never has the nation faced such unprecedented circumstances. Never has the nation been in such uncharted waters. And that is because there are things happening before that has really never happened in the history of the country. Donald Trump, the former president of a country, is, full, is, is facing no less than 96 federal felony charges. No president, living or dead, democratic or republican, current or former, has faced that. But perhaps, even more importantly for all of us and the rest of the world, never has the concept of democracy come under such intense scrutiny. And there's a lot of conversation about the decline of democracy even in the U.S. There's conversations about threats to democracy, not just in the United States, but in other parts of the world. There are conversations about democratic recession. And that is why a program like this is really important, because it's not just focusing on the U.S., but also on the idea of democracy, with America being one of the foremost leaders of democracy. And so very important to put the spotlight uh, over there. In fact, from South Africa to Botswana, to India, to Mexico, and even to Rwanda, there are as many as 64 elections taking place all over the world. And this actually represents a combined population of about 49% of the people in the world going to the polls, uh, in, including Ghana, of course. Uh, our neighbor Togo is also going to the polls. We know what's happening in Senegal as well. And so um, some people have called it the super year of elections. Um, others have called it the ultimate year of elections. But from an international relations perspective, we need to make the point that it is the United States or the U.S. elections, which unsurprisingly, of course, has garnered a lot of global attention or has really been in the eye of, of the storm, a lot of massive attention from nation to nation, from continent to continent, all over the world, being focused on the U.S. elections in particular. And, and, and we know this, uh, and we know this is not a surprise, uh, because America's leadership and impact on, the, on global politics is, is real. It's, it's, uh, it's huge. Um, it has repercussions at the United Nations level, uh, at the intergovernmental levels, in multilateral and bilateral relationships, and the, the, the prospects of internationalism is hugely dependent on the policies of the United States. And of course, that is also hinged on who becomes president. So that is why there's a lot of attention all over the world on this election. And of course, we are in Ghana will be following it. So as, as we begin um, um, to follow these elections, as we do the build up to it, um, we, 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 this show actually helps to bring more attention to it. We'll bring you up to the minute insights um, a lot of views um, and analysis leading up to the elections. Um, I've already made the point that as one of the world's leading and 
prominent democracies, one of the world's foremost democracies, many nations look up to the United States as far as democracy is concerned, sometimes comparing events there to situations in our own countries. I mean, there's been a lot of times we've had conversations and people will say, well, what pertains in the U.S.? What happens there? Because it's, it's, it's actually a global leader uh, when it comes to democracy. So it's very important to do this kind of comparative exercise, right? So from a global international relations and communications perspective, such comparative exercises are important as they offer lessons and insights for local adaptation, uh, to raise global consciousness, or even for the, at the level of democratic development globally. So, we hope you do join us as we embark on this journey here at Joy TV. Um, we hope you tune in um, every Thursday to join us on this segment of our program, and of course in all the other programs. Um, with that said, however, that's a little intro. Uh, well, maybe not so little. But with that said, we can now turn back to the very central issue of what's current, what's really going on as far as the American presidential elections are concerned, what's happening with Donald Trump. I've had people ask me, well, I thought Donald Trump is not contesting again. Well, not so fast. But when we come back from the, from the break, we will address all this and more in a jiffy. We'll do this right after the break.
from the break. Um, we'll start by taking you through what's ahead for the U.S. presidential elections. Um, there's a lot going on. We'll take our time um, and go through some details and really sort this out um, throughout the whole process. So we'll start from the basics, right? Um, this is the 60th quadrennial presidential election, which means that they do have their elections every four years, just like we have in Ghana. And so there are a couple of parallels. What does this mean? The election calendar is quite similar to Ghana. And there's a whole joke going around that um, when the Democrats win in the U.S., the NDC wins here. When the Republicans win in the U.S., the NPP wins here. But, of course, that was torpedoed in the last election, so that theory really doesn't hold. But, anyway, that's just fun fact or trivia, right? Not really based on theory or any research, but good fun fact to know. Okay, so um, this is the 60th time they're having it. Um, as you know, American democracy is over 200 years. They've been doing this uh, for ages. Um, once again, they're going to get through another process, and the whole world's eye is on, is on them. So who are the aspirants, you know, in this election? Well, there are two major political parties in the U.S., the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. They're the major ones. Of course, there are other minor parties, and I think a lot of people don't know about them. There's a Green Party, there's a Libertarian Party, and so many others. But anyway, the two major ones are the, the Democrats and the Republicans. Now, on your screen now, we have the candidates for the Republican Party, right? So they are the conservatives. They believe in free market, laissez-faire capitalism, uh, libertarian ideals. They are anti-abortion and all of that. So that's, those are the Republicans, the Red Party, with the elephant as a symbol. Um, the candidates, former President Donald Trump, Donald J. Trump. Bob Marley is the number one movie in America. For me? <laughs> Audiences are raving. It's the perfect movie at the perfect time. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Made it PG-13. Now playing. At Sierra University, we've been empowering students to pursue their goals for over 130 years. From innovative degree programs and helpful tools to campus locations focused on creating community for international students, we can help you find your way forward. We even offer international students 25% off tuition on select degree programs. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Eligibility rules, restrictions, and exclusions apply. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Jason for John, Donald J. Trump. Uh, he's the former president, one-term president, lost the last elections, and he's running again. Uh, and the other candidate is former U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley. A very interesting candidate, Nikki, right there. She has been a governor before, a two-term governor of a major state in the U.S., South Carolina, um, the parliamentary state, they call it. So she does have a, a history of executive governance um, at the state level, and that's really rich experience. It was from there that she then went on to become the ambassador to the UN, working under Donald Trump, quite interestingly, working under Donald Trump for, I believe it was about a year or a little bit more, and then she, she resigned, um, and then now running for president. So it's quite interesting. A former member of Donald Trump's cabinet or uh, executive now running ag against, against him. And the interesting thing about Nikki Haley is that uh, she's also the first female Indian American, okay, the first female of Indian origin who is running on a major presidential ticket. In fact, she was the first 
female governor of South Carolina and also the first uh, female um, Indian-American governor of any state at all. So that is the context within which Nikki Haley is running for this election. Uh, she does have some really um, solid political profile in the United States herself. Nikki Haley giving Donald Trump a big challenge. And she's a very interesting character. You know, almost everybody has run out of the race. When they started, there were about seven or eight people running. Um, Vivek Ramaswamy, Chris Christie, um, and on and on. Quite a number of people running for, for, for president, about seven, eight of them. Each and every single one of them have dropped out, um, has now dropped out. And Nikki Haley is the only one who has not dropped out. And Donald Trump is so mad at her. He, he, I mean, he can't just understand it because he wants her to drop out so that he will just go on and take the nomination. But Nikki Haley says that she is not dropping out until every single <laughs> American Republican cuts their vote before she drops out. So she's still in the race. So those are the Republican presidential candidates uh, for you right there. Now we come to um, the Democratic side. Um, we come to the Democratic side, the Democrats. Of course, the Democrats have an incumbent president. That is um, President Joe Biden. So you'd imagine that once you do have an incumbent, uh, normally uh, incumbents don't have anybody challenging them, right? So if you have an incumbent president, he goes for another term. But well, <laughs> America being what it is, they do have challenges to an incumbent Democratic president. And that's kind of rare, actually, to be quite honest. But yes, they are challenging their own sitting president. And who are those? So, so we have the default candidate, that's Joe Biden, who's the current president, right? But it challenges the U.S. congressman from Minnesota, Dean Phillips. Uh, so Dean Phillips has a military background. Uh, he served in the U.S. Army, and he's had a kind of a renaissance where he believes that um, getting to the presidency is one of the ways in which he can serve his country. Uh, he says, yes, Joe Biden has come in. Joe Biden has done his best, but he doesn't believe that Biden is going far enough in terms of standing up for the American people. And so he thinks it's about time we get politicians of the old stock out and then bring in some new, fresh blood. So that's what he's building his candidacy on. But I do have to give the caveat that it's a very long, short candidate. He's not a very widely popular person in America. He's hardly known. Honestly, if you ask a lot of people, they really don't even know that there are people challenging Donald Trump. So it's, it's, he's a dark horse. It's, 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 a, it's a really, really long shot if there ever was one. But, of course, he does have, I mean, he does have the right to, to compete against Joe Biden. Okay, still with the Democratic candidates, um, now we have Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And I'm pretty sure that name rings a bell because, of course, the Kennedy name has a really, really long history in the U.S. and a very major one at that, right, from uh, JFK himself and then his, his lineage, his brothers. You know, one of them became attorney general, ran for president, even though he didn't get it. Um, and then we had Eddie Kennedy, who was the really long-term long Bullhorn, Massachusetts senator, uh, one of the earliest people to have endorsed Barack Obama, uh, given a lot of life to his campaign. But anyway, that's, that's history. Robert Kennedy is from that family, and he is now running to be president. Uh, but, you know, Robert, it's, it's quite different. He, he's taking a very different line. First of all, you wouldn't expect that he would challenge his own certain president, but he's doing that. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is that he's an anti-vaccine activist, which means he does not believe that vaccination would help to solve COVID-19, which is very strange because all over the world, it has been accepted that 
taking the COVID-19 vaccine is one of the major ways to help halt the spread of COVID-19. Now, here's the case. Somebody is actually saying that, no, we, we shouldn't take the vaccines because they don't serve any real purpose for us. Can you imagine that? And so that puts him on the fringe of American politics. Okay, so that's um, Robert F. Kennedy. Now there's Cornel West. <laughs> yeah, Cornel West is, is a professorial, former professor of Harvard. Uh, a, a, a liberal icon, so to speak, is more on the extreme left. He's an extreme liberal. He doesn't really believe that Joe Biden is doing enough for racial equality. He doesn't believe he's doing enough for climate change. He doesn't believe he's doing enough for uh, police brutality. You know, a lot of African-Americans being killed and gunned down. So he doesn't think the measures of Joe Biden are far-reaching enough. So he decided that he would leave the corridors of the classroom and then go, actually he's still teaching, uh, but also would run for president uh, as well. So, so that's Cornell West for you, Professor Cornell, Cornell West, a very, very renowned academic, you know, teaching at Harvard and other big, big universities uh, in the United States. Um, then we have the physician, Jill Stein. She's not really, really um, well-known as well, but she's somebody who has really big concerns about gender equality, female empowerment, believes that the era of Donald Trump really um, saw a, a, a drawback to women's rights, uh, especially when it comes to abortion, and so feels she needs to be in that race to bring those issues to the front and center. So that's Jill Stein for you. So, so we are done with the, with the candidates. Um, but of course, we do know that the front runners will be Trump and Biden. Okay? Um, so in order to get a nomination, in order to get a nomination for the Democratic Party, you need 1,968 delegates to become the presidential candidate. So as you can see now, Dean Phillips has zero. Joe Biden has 91. And that is because they've just had primaries about three states. Or so, uh, and Biden won in all of them because naturally, I mean, in most countries in the world, when you have an incumbent president, you hardly have people challenging him, right? So that is why Joe Biden is is, is leading, and uh, the rest of them have zero. There's, so there's a wide wide uh, margin for him to cover, though. Yes, there's still a wide margin. Nine hundred sixty-eight. Yes, but see, the fact of the matter is that mm. the fact of the matter is that nobody's really going to challenge their their incumbent president. So even if you do, the delegates are not going to vote for you. So oh. the fact of the matter is that Biden... So from, from, the get, from the word go, you know that Biden will... Yeah, Biden will, yeah, mm -hmm. will, will be the presumptive nominee. Okay. So that's the Democratic Party. We can safely say, of, of, of course, of course. I mean, we don't know everything. So, but to the extent that where history is a precursor, we can say that Joe Biden could, would be the nominee. But you see, there are issues about the age of Joe Biden. Mm. Okay, his age, his cognitive abilities and all of that. So it's not, it's not a home run. Anything can happen, especially as far as his health and other things are concerned. But technically speaking, he's the presumptive nominee. Mm. Okay, so, so let's, let's move now. Let's move now to the um, Republican side. So for the Republican side, you need 1,215 delegates, okay, are needed to win the nomination. Um, Donald Trump now has 63 delegates. Okay. And Nikki Haley has 17 delegates. Now, it, it is so because they voted so far in Iowa, they voted so far in South Carolina, they voted so far in New Hampshire. So three states. There are about 50 states in the U.S. So that's why we, we, we said at the beginning that mm. they still have a long, a, a, a long haul to go. And each of these states will be voting. Mm. Um, Donald Trump won in 
Iowa, he won in New Hampshire, won in South Carolina, won in Nevada. And Nikki Haley. Uh, remind me, I thought Nikki Haley was a governor or so. You no, she's a, former, she's a former governor of, 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 of South Carolina. And, but, but Trump won there. Sorry, South Carolina, she, uh, he, uh, Trump is leading in South okay. Carolina. Okay. Okay. Mm. So, so, so that is it for the, for the Republican side. So she has 17 delegates. She has 17 delegates um, so far. So let's move on. Okay, so, so this is what I was trying to say at the beginning, that it is likely that we are going to have the current president, Joe Biden, go against former president Donald Trump. But the caveat need, needs to be given that this is really still inconclusive. One of the major reasons which makes it inconclusive is that apart from the fact that um, several states are yet to vote, there is the big, big issue of the court cases hanging around the neck of Donald Trump. And people are saying that it's unlikely that somebody facing so many criminal, civil, federal cases in the court might come out as the candidate. And even if he does, he's going to come out really, really weakened. Mm. And mm. so that is a huge concern for a lot of American voters. But you see, the interesting thing about it is that despite the <coughs> over 91 felony charges that Donald Trump is facing, his support does not seem to be going down. He has as much support as he had in 2016, if not more. He's leading his contenders by leaps and bounds. The, the, the margin is so wide. And so one of the questions that we'll be exploring here is, why Donald Trump still has such a huge appeal in the United States, despite all the charges and the accusations that have been brought against him? In 2020, uh, Joe Biden won that election, 51.3%, I believe that's on your screen now, 51.3% as against 46.8%. But the recent um, approval ratings has Joe Biden trailing Donald Trump, if mm. you believe that, yes. Mm. Mm. Um, of course, in some states, Biden is leading. In some states, Biden is leading Trump. But in, I mean, in the matchup, the general matchup, okay. When you Trump, aggregate when them you aggregate together, them, yes. When you Trump leads. Together, Trump is mm. leading. So, 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 yeah, so, this is the story. Mm. This is the story of the election. Mm. Have Have we done something on? You no know, vote by. We know that you know Biden has to get how much. 1,800 and something. Uh, Trump and his party, you have to get 1,200 and something delegate to become the flag bearer, right? How are they, uh, how is vote buying in that, in that contest? Because there, there are a lot of people they need to meet. And how are they able to meet that so that we can put in, in a part to part with, with the Ghanaian contest? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the issue of vote buying doesn't really come up okay. in, in the U.S. at all. Okay. I mean, it's not just some. Problems that are African problems. <laughs> <laughs> some, some, some that are not. So it really doesn't come up there. Mm. But I think there's a little more ground to cover before mm. we, I mean, we wrap up the introduction. So we can move to the next, um, the next couple of, the next couple of um, graphics if we do have them so that we can just cover the final grounds and then, and then wrap up. Um, so we've done, we've, we've done a head-to-head matchup between the two of them. We've also done their, their lead in terms of the delegates. Mm. I think one, one thing that we also uh, need to start thinking about is what, are, what is the nature of the court cases that he's facing? 
So there are, there are four major ones. Uh, one of them uh, has to do with the, um, the, uh, the fraudulent business practices mm. that he had in New York. And the charges that were brought against him over there is that um, he overestimated his business worth and engaged in some oh, okay. business practices. So he sort of uh, you know, made it seem he was worth more than he actually is. More than he actually is. Okay. Um, in order to get some uh, loans and other business um, okay. um, profits. Okay, so, so, so that's the first one. And mm. he was found guilty of that. Okay. So he was fined 355 million U.S. dollars for that case. But only this morning, I heard that he has asked that he should be given one more month. The deadline should be extended by one more month in order to help him to, to pay for that. Mm. The other cases is one that has to do with um, uh, what that has to do with the classified cases. He has some classified documents, yeah. American secrets that mm. he took home. And so he's been charged against that. So right. we'll be following these court cases to mm. see what comes out of it. Interesting. I, but a lot of us in Ghana will be looking at how the, you know, the, these candidates are able to meet all of these delegates without somebody's pair, you know, exchanging hands so that we can learn from them in terms of how we can do it. But uh, there's a lot more to learn from this. Uh, America decides on the post. Uh, so to make a date with that. But thanks for being a part of us. There's more on myjoyonline.com. We'll leave you with LTS. Enjoy the rest of our shows.